Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out in your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, turn me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Um, and as you're turning there, my wife and I, we, we started a podcast not too long ago, uh, and it's called Relatively Black and White. We talk about, um, we talk about some racial issues. We talk about our faith. Uh, we talk about our relationship. And we, we're just, we're talking about life. Um, and in one of the episodes, we, we have this kind of fun segment where my wife will ask a question and, and we'll, we'll kind of have a little discussion. And so one of the episodes, she was talking about these kind of drinks. Um, and th- these kind of drinks, meaning the drinks that have like actual fruit in them. And she was talking about like, you know, those drinks, whether it's a smoothie or whether it's a slush or whether it's one of these like refresher drinks. Um, she was like, you know, the, it, the, the worst part of those drinks is it has fruit in it. And like, I can't stand the fruit when it gets into the straw and then you suck it up and you drink the fruit. Like she's like, oh, that's so nasty. But the rest of us know the truth. The rest of us are, you know, we know God, we hear from God, we, we, we know God's best, God's plan is, th- that's the opposite of true. Like she is completely wrong in that. Like she is 100% absolutely wrong in that. When you happen to have a drink like that and you're sipping and there comes a strawberry through that straw, it is pure bliss. It is absolutely positively the best part of any drink that you could ever have. Like it is amazing. I mean, it is, it is like the goal of the entire drink is to get one of those strawberries. Now, you, you know what happens though? Like um, I haven't, I, I've been savoring this, so I haven't been able to drink it all the way down. But you know, when you drink it all the way down, the straw connects with like one of these strawberries that's bigger than the straw, right? So like you're sipping and you're sipping and it's so good. And then, and then all of a sudden you sip and nothing happens. And immediately, you know, especially if it's not like, I don't, I'm not trying to promote that logo. I'm going to turn it this way. <laughs> immediately, if, if, if there's no juice or lemonade or water in there, immediately, you know, especially if the cup is dark, you know, oh, I hit jackpot. There is a strawberry at the end of this straw. So, so, so you're sipping and you're getting the juice or water or whatever. And then all of a sudden you take a sip and there's nothing. And all of a sudden, like there's no results from your actions. None of us throw the drink away. None of us take the straw out and throw the straw away. And say, that cup is broken. That straw is broken. This drink is, is gone. No, we recognize that the desired result is just a, a little bit of sip work away. <laughs> and you know what none of us do? We don't just throw it away. We also don't just say like, oh, okay, come on, come on, strawberry. Come on, strawberry. I believe the strawberry is gonna come through this straw and into my mouth. No, like, like none, of, none of us sit here and really talk to our cup. Let me rephrase that. None of us should <laughs> sit here and just start talking to our cup, right? Like, 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 like the, 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 the lack of result, the all of a sudden, the difficulty in sipping, we recognize means the desired result is on its way. 
It means pure bliss is coming. It just means we got to work a little harder. We got to start. And then not let it fall. Like, you know, like you. And then if you let go, if you breathe and it falls back, oh, you got to start over. Like, no, you got to keep it going. And you got to sip a little harder. You got to work a little harder because it's coming. You cannot wait on the fruit to come through the straw without a little sip work. This morning, we're going to talk about a little sip work. In Isaiah chapter 40, I'm going to start in verse 27. And in verse 27, uh, Isaiah's here talking to uh, God's people. He says it this way. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. He's saying, hey, you're God's people. Why are you sitting back and saying that God isn't seeing you? He, he doesn't see you. He doesn't see your circumstance. He doesn't see your situation. He doesn't see what you're going through. He doesn't see your battles, your, your wars. Your, he, he, why are you sitting back and, and failing to recognize that God is all-knowing and that God sees you? And, and you know, I, I think if we're honest, We all have felt like this more than once. Maybe maybe some of you feel like this right now. Like, God, are you not seeing what's going on? Are you not seeing how they did that to me? Are you not seeing how wrong they are? Are you not seeing, let's be honest, how right I am? Right? Like, like, I, I mean, this blows me away. Whenever I coach my, my sixth grade boys basketball team and I'm like, God, do you not see these referees? I mean, they're in black and white stripes and they are so wrong. How could they be so wrong? Now, yours is probably much more important than that, right? But, but, but the more that we study, the more we learn about ourselves, we, we know that it is like human nature, like we need, it's not just we want, but we need to be seen and be known. Like when you see somebody, like and you actually see them, oh man, it does something spiritually even to them and for them. In the same way, when you fail to see people, oh, it's, it, it, it's worse than many of the, the worst uh, insults you can throw at them. And here, God's people are like, God, you are failing to see us. And my right is being disregarded by you. Another way of saying this is, God, you don't have my back. Not only do you not know what's going on, but you're not protecting me. You're not providing for me. you're You're not holding up my name, even when they're slandering it. Like, I didn't even do anything, God. My rights are being disregarded. My rights as a human, my rights as a Christian, my rights as a son or a daughter of you. God, don't you see this? And God's people, when you go through and read through the scriptures, man, God's people are honest with God. And somewhere along the way, in our church, in our day and time, we've somehow presented like honesty with God as some kind of sin. And and we we fail to be honest with God. That's why we can read this verse and I can say what I've said and it gets really quiet. Because we all know it. We all feel it. We can all connect with it. But none of us want to amen it. Because none of us want everybody to know that we feel it, 
that we connect with it, that we could ever think like, God, are you seeing this? Are you with me? Do you have my back? Are you, are you here or not here? Like, like we don't want to admit that, especially on a Sunday morning at 1030 or 1130 as we're just getting started. And then this is really powerful in verse 28. Isaiah says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now, oh, this is so good, right? Because here you have God's people saying, God, you're not seeing what's happening. You don't have my back. And immediately it's told, have you not known? Have you not heard? Now, in context, who Isaiah's talking to, this group of people, the Jewish people of this time, they absolutely positively knew and they heard their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their community, everyone around them made sure that they heard about God, that they knew about God, that they knew the scriptures and, 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 and the law and all of these things. Like, yes, the answer is yes, they knew. Yes, they heard. But now they're doubting. And now they're saying, God, you're not seeing us and you, you don't have our back. And here's something we got to realize. I think we all know it, but we got to remind ourselves. Just because you knew something doesn't mean you know something. Mm. Okay, maybe this just connects with me a little bit more because, because of like what I do. Like, like I might have preached something six months ago out of a certain passage and then you come up to me and you think, not only do I have all of that memorized, but I have remembered all of what I said and all of the revelation and I have a lot more that I just didn't get to give you guys. And like the spur of the moment, I ain't thought about that in six months. And then, and then, you know, like now God will speak through you and he'll give you the answers that you need and all that. But it ain't me, <laughs> right? Like just because I knew something doesn't mean that I still know it. Just because you knew God was a provider doesn't mean that you currently remember that God is a provider. Just because you knew God healed you before doesn't mean that you automatically remember and know that he will heal you right now. Just because you knew God protected you in the past doesn't mean that you automatically stand in perfect faith that God will protect you right here in the present and in the future. They knew something that they no longer know. They had heard things and clearly now they had heard other things that was producing a different result. It was producing a, a lack, a doubt, a fear, if you will. So we have to combat this. We have to make sure that we don't fall into these same traps that, that here God's people did. And so how do we do that? First of all, we got to remember what you know. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember what he's written in his scripture, not just for us to do and not do, but the promises that he's given us. Because when we start to forget what God has done, then we put ourselves in danger of not knowing what God is doing. Remember what God has done. We also have to have some revelation, not just head knowledge of what God said. They knew what God had said. They had heard it. They had known it. But in this moment, for whatever the reasons, they, 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 they didn't have it in their heart. There wasn't revelation. There wasn't understanding of how to apply it and how to trust God through this difficulty. We have to make sure it's not just head knowledge that we know about God, but it's revelation. And lastly, we got to make sure we have relationship with God. 
Because no matter how much you know, no matter how much revelation, no matter how tight you are with God, there inevitably are going to be moments in your life where you can't explain it. You don't know what God is doing. You don't know how he's going to turn around. You don't know how he's going to work it out. And what you have to hold on to is I don't know what, but I know whom. That I'm going to trust God even when I don't have, the, especially when I don't have the answers. We got we to make sure we do those things to be able to fight that. And in and, 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 and some kind of way, what they heard and what they knew in this moment gave a megaphone to their fears so that their fears became louder and louder in their head and probably all around them. And it silenced their faith. And they just needed to initially be reminded that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary and his understanding is unsearchable. I think if we would just remind ourselves of that, that we would pray into getting revelation of that, that we would be in relationship with the one that is talked about here in these verses, then so many of our battles, so many of our struggles, so much of our doubts would be alleviated they would start to, to dissipate. They would even be destroyed if we would just grab a hold of the fact that the Lord is the everlasting God, meaning he knows the end from the beginning. He's been here from the beginning. He'll be here through the end. He, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. He's the creator of everything, so he can create whatever it is that you need. Because whatever you need, he's already created it. This is so good. You, you need money? You know what money comes from? Trees. You know who created trees? <laughs> and he does not faint or grow weary. And, and this is where we get caught up a lot of times as Christians, like, oh, my problems aren't as bad as their problems, so God, I'm not gonna wear you out with my, no. He never grows weary. He never faints. No matter how much you need, no matter how often you need it, God is your provider. And he's able and he's willing to do it. And if we would believe that, if we would have revelation of that, if we would be in a relationship with him, then we could trust in that no matter what we're facing and no matter what we faced. And his understanding is unsearchable. It's why the Bible tells us that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. If you didn't get it there, then he goes on to reiterate this in verse 29. He says, he being God gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Now listen, I believe this is a, a, a big problem for many of us here. I don't know about most Christians. I'm gonna say most Christians I know. I think this is the issue. This is the problem. Two weeks ago, I, I, I preached, uh, and basically I was talking about renewing your mind and captivating our thoughts into obedience to Christ. Like we need to know what God has said and we need to know what God is saying. And here's what I believe. I may be wrong, but here's what I believe. Most of the believers that I know, we know what God has said. We know we shouldn't lie, cheat, kill, steal, you know, lust. All, like we know these things. Many Christians I know have a, a, an understanding of, of what God is saying directly to them. They have some understanding about their purpose as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a, as a career. Like we, we have a lot of understanding of even what God is saying. But where I see us, not y'all, us falling a little short is we get tired. We, go, we grow weary. 
We don't have the strength to consistently, faithfully walk in faith and be obedient to what God wants us to do. Like we know what it is. We find ourselves on this roller coaster. My sixth grade basketball team that I'm coaching, like, man, if you've ever, if you've never been on a like a roller coaster, you should come watch us play two basketball games. Because for three minutes, we'll look like we know exactly what we're doing, and we're we're not that bad. And then the next three minutes, it'll be like we've never had a coach, we've never had a practice, they've never played basketball before. And, and, and then three more minutes later, we're like, we're, we're amazing. We could probably beat a lot of sixth grade teams. And then four more minutes later, it's like, we can't beat a kindergarten team. Like lower the goals and say you can travel and foul. We still can't score. It's this, it's this roller coaster. And I think there's so many Christians that find themselves on this roller coaster because we don't feel like we have the power or the strength to, to be consistently faithful. We find ourselves fainting and being weak. I, I, you don't have to amen it. Because I, I know it's true. Because I, I know me. I know what I've been through. I know what I struggle with. And I know some of you all. And it's this lack of strength and power. You, you might not say it that way. You, you might just say you're inconsistent. You might just say, you know, you're just not as faithful or you just don't feel as spiritual. You, you can word it and wrap it however you want, but it's a lack of strength and, and power more than it's a lack of finding out what God is saying or what God has said. But verse 29 tells us that God is the one who gives power to the faint. It is God who gives increase of strength to those who have no might. So anytime I'm trying to get my own power, anytime I'm trying to strengthen myself without God, I will fall short because God is the giver of it, not me, not you, not a program, not a book, not a podcast. It is God who gives you what you need to be able to do what it is that you need to do. And, and again, he, he doubles down on this. He reiterates this in verse 30. He said, even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Let, let me pause here just, just for a minute um, it, on, on our basketball team because clearly I'm coaching right now. So, you know, that's, it is what it is. That's the examples you get. Um, there, there's this kid on our team. His name is AJ. I love AJ. AJ is amazing. AJ has been playing soccer and basketball at the same time, which, you know, like that's amazing to me. It says a lot about AJ, but it's also like AJ's parents. Like that's a whole, oh man. Wow. Um, I don't know how they do that, but AJ's been playing soccer and he, soccer just finished and now he's just playing basketball. And we were playing this weekend and, and, and AJ was running up and down and, and AJ, um, AJ's a white kid. And so um, if you've never been around uh, a, a white kid who gets hot and sweaty and tired, here's what happens to us. We get really, really red in the face. Like it, it's, it's like, it's amazing. Like we change colors. I mean, it's phenomenal. Like, I, I mean, I'm looking at AJ, like AJ, man, I thought you were white. You're a whole different, like, I mean, so AJ's like super red. AJ's sweating, obviously. And then it gets to a point where his mouth just kind of dangles a little bit. So he's like, he's red and he's sweating. And so I'm looking at AJ and I, and like, I, I call time out and I, and I bring everybody over. I was like, AJ, AJ. You are too young to be tired. You're not allowed to be tired. 
You play soccer, you run two hours just up and down the field with no purpose and no, like you just run. You can't be tired. Like we stop for free throws, ball out of bounds. Like you're not allowed to be tired. You don't even know what tired is. Your knees can't even feel tired. Your back has never experienced tired. You know, I started to go to like, man, I walked to the school eight miles uphill in the snow with no shoes both ways. You know, I went real old on them real fast. And AJ, AJ looked at me with his cheeks all red and sweat. And he said, coach, I'm not tired. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? AJ, you look like you're about to die. <laughs> and AJ just looked at me, he goes, he said, coach, yeah, my soccer coaches say the same thing, but I, I'm not tired. Okay, AJ, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I'll just, well, if you ever get tired, let me know. I don't want you to pass out. Like, I, I don't know how to judge that. And, and AJ, like, you don't get tired. And I'm like, all right, AJ, don't get tired because you're too young to get tired. You know, you know, there's a reason that professional athletes, like, like athletes are like between the ages of 19 and 30 pretty, pretty much. Because that's like the prime years of physical attributes and strength and all of that. Like, like there's a reason that professional athletes, when they start playing over the age of 30, it's like, wow. You're like, you should retire. And the rest of us in the real world are like, retire? You're 28. What? <laughs> like, what are you going to do the rest of your life? You know, like, this is ridiculous. But there's a reason that that's the window. And it's because that is like the prime of physical activity and physical strength and physical ability. And God is doubling down here. And he's saying, even youths, even young people shall faint and be weary. And even young men shall fall exhausted. What's he saying? When you do it on your own, you will have lack. You will fall short. You will not be able to do everything God wants you to do. And the strength and the power to be faithful and consistent for the long term if you're doing it based on your own strength, your own ability, your own education, your own wisdom, your own experiences, that will fall short, guaranteed. Even if you're in the prime of your life, even if you have excelled in this area for this time frame, it will not be enough. God's doubling down on this. He's saying even the young folks are gonna get tired. And then there's one of these in verse 31 that I love. And y'all got to put your rocks down before I even say it. This is one of those big butts that I love in verse 31. And y'all better be glad I can't sing or rap or... Because... <laughs> I cannot lie. This is one of those, <laughs> this is one of those, uh, all right, I, 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 okay, okay, you either got it or you didn't get it, that's all right, I'm going to leave it right there, I'm going to leave it right there, but, but even though you will fall short, you will not be enough, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now let's back up. They who wait, 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 wait. See, we, sometimes we mess up 
what it means to wait. You know, we think waiting means stopping. We think waiting means sitting, resting. We, we think waiting means, um, you know, something like waiting on someone to show up or waiting on someone to pick you up, for example, or, you know, just this lack of action, we think. But that's not what waiting means. Not in this term, in, in this sense. See, this, this word here is kavah. And yes, I got that right. I practiced. I Googled the pronunciation. I listened to it many times. <clears throat> and I nailed it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I appreciate that. <laughs> this word kavah, it actually has a, a definition that, that many scholars and many translators want to separate in, into like two different definitions. One of them is this binding together. Um, think of like a rope that has many strands and those strands have to be bound and wound and intertwined together to make a rope. Now, the strands on their own are not that powerful. They're not that significant. They're not that large. They're, they're just not that at all. But when you start to wind them together with other strands, then it becomes a rope that can do a lot. It's strong. Um, all of those different things. And so there's some scholars, some translators that apply that version of this definition here to say that those who bind together with God through twisting like strands becoming a rope um, are those that wait on the Lord. But there's another side to this definition uh, that is basically about an expectation a patient expectation. And this is what we often more commonly lean towards when we think of wait on the Lord, like just sit and wait and expect God to show up. Now, the problem with this second version is it's like sitting and waiting on the strawberry to just magically come through the straw and show up in my mouth. Because when we wait, we stop sipping, right? I mean, because because we don't we don't if if you've been in church a while or you're spiritual like you don't want to get ahead of God, as if you get ahead of God and He's just hands are tied and He can't He's oh oh you stumped me. I've been ruling the world for for thousands of years, but now you got ahead of me and now I'm my hands are tied. I'm stumped. Like no, okay, listen. Sometimes we need to slow down and just read our Bible to fix our theology. Um, but 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 you know we 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 just we we stop sipping. Why? Because I want a strawberry. So I'm just going to wait on the Lord to give me that strawberry. Come on, Lord. Lord, I pray that this strawberry flies through this straw into my mouth to give me that pure bliss that you promised me. Come on, strawberry. I speak to that strawberry. In Jesus' name, you strawberry, you get up here, like we do some funky stuff. I rebuke this straw in the name of Jesus for being too small to get this strawberry into my mouth. In actuality, we call ourselves waiting on the Lord and God's like, dude, take a sip. You stop sipping. And you call that waiting? That's not waiting. That, that's, that's something else. I, I believe that this definition is not a two-part definition. It's not an either or, it's a both and. 
I believe to, to wait on the Lord, and this, this word wait, I believe that it means that we should bind ourselves together with God, in God, faithfully, in faith, expecting patiently for God to produce the results. I, I don't think it means stop sipping. I, I think it means leave the results up to God. It surely doesn't mean a lack of action because we're told faith without works is dead. So the moment that we just stop, throw our hands up and sit back and wait for God to do some supernatural thing without our faith, without our prayers, without our obedience to what he's saying, we are literally killing our faith. Because without works, it's dead. So when we stop the works, when we stop sipping, we are killing our faith. Should you speak to it? Should you rebuke it? Absolutely, if you need to, if God's leading you to, if that's what is required. But in no circumstances are we to sit back and do absolutely nothing. Unless God tells you to do absolutely nothing. And then when God does something like that, some kind of way, that's the thing that gets broadcast most famously. Y'all know what I mean, right? Like, like I needed a million dollars and this guy just walked up to me. I didn't even know him. And he handed me a check and he said, God told me to give this to you. And, and, and I didn't even look at it until two days later. And I looked and it was a million. It was never just a million, right? It was a million and a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my, praise God. Praise God for that. That's amazing. Never happened to me. Now, I'm never going to base my theology on my experience. But if that's what it means to wait for the Lord. <laughs> see y'all next week. We'll see if God shows up and then like, like what? No, I don't. I don't Yes, God can do that and God will do that. But, but here's the thing, that person that came up and gave that guy a million dollars, he probably had, the, the, the guy who gave it probably knew the guy who received it. <laughs> a lot of times when you hear that at least, it's like a, a preacher or somebody on TV, somebody famous or something, right? Like, like they knew you just because you didn't know them. Why does that matter? Because the, the preacher, the famous person, whatever, they were obeying God. They were doing the works. They just didn't recognize it. They just didn't see it. They weren't just sitting back and nothing happened. Sitting back and nothing happened would be for them to stop preaching, stop praying, stop prophesying, whatever it is that God uses them to do. They didn't, they didn't do that. You never hear them say like, oh, I completely got out of ministry and God blessed me with everything that I ever needed. You don't hear that one. So the actions that we should take to kavah with the Lord, to be intertwined with every fiber of our being, patiently, faithfully expecting him to produce the results and work everything out for our good includes action. It includes actions of prayer, actions of faith, and most importantly, actions of obedience. This is why Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. It's not just do not grow weary of believing right, but it's do not grow weary of doing good. Kavahing with the Lord is not a lack of action. 
It actually oftentimes requires more action. And God here promises something amazing. He promises to renew our strength, which is to change or to alter or to exchange our strength. Remember, our strength, even in the best of years, is not enough. We will get tired. We will faint. God promises to exchange that. Exchange it with what? His strength, which never gets tired, never runs out, never grows weary, never faints, never has lack is always enough in every situation. There's an exchange that happens there when we kavah with the Lord, when we wait on him. And then again, this is where we get into the the more famous verses, right? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. An eagle is fascinating. I mean, an eagle is absolutely fascinating. I I didn't know a whole lot about eagles um, until a couple weeks ago when I really started studying for this. And I mean, I probably should have known more. You know, I know like, you know, the nation's symbol and uh, yeah, clearly I know a lot, right? I get it. Eagles are a big deal, but man, eagles are fascinating. I don't know if y'all know much about eagles, but it was amazing just learning about eagles. Like eagles do all kind of amazing stuff. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Some of it is kind of like, wow, like what? For example, like how an eagle gets their eaglets out of the nest, I mean, if y'all, y'all got 30 seconds? Do y'all know what they do? They, like, so they got, they got these little eggs and the eggs hatch and they got these little eaglets, right? And the eaglets, they're growing up and they get to a point where they gotta get out of the nest and they gotta learn to fly on their own. And so the, the little eagle gets on the mama's back and, and the eagle's never left the ground before. I mean, the eagle's never experienced flying before. Get on the mama's back and the mama takes the eagle up high. And, you know, I mean, I can't imagine what this little eagle's thinking. Like, oh, this is amazing. My mom is the best. And then all of a sudden when the mom gets high enough, she like does this flip thing and throws the eaglet off. And the eaglet is like now just, what? I mean, talk about child abuse and... Oh, my mama didn't love me. She didn't cook dinner every night. Yeah, try being a little eaglet. (laughs) this 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 is brutal, right? But what the eaglet doesn't know is there's a daddy eagle that's soaring up above and the daddy eagle can put his wings in a certain way and he can dive faster than the little eaglet can fall. So the daddy, eaglet circ- daddy eagle circles, and when the eaglet falls, if it doesn't start flying, then the, the, the daddy scoops down and catches the eagle and takes it back to the nest, and they do it all again tomorrow. Like, it's amazing. And then, and then if the eaglet doesn't fly for a few times, the, the mama, when she, when she flips him, I mean, I don't know how quickly the eaglet figures out what's happening. Like, at some point, it's like, I ain't getting on your back. <laughs> like, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice, three times. Like, just call me an eaglet. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how that works. But, but, but there's a point where the mom starts to think like the eaglet can get it and the eaglet can get it. And so the, when, when she flips the eaglet off her back, she starts like making this noise and dropping with the eaglet. And, and you know what? Uh, um, the research I found anyway, I don't know how good it was online, but um, what, what they say that the mom is doing is like encouraging the eaglet. Like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, that's so good. There's so much revelation in that, right? And again, the dad, the dad eagle, the father, he's ready and able to swoop down if he needs to until the point where he doesn't need to. None of that is what I'm talking about here. (laughs) That 30 seconds 
It wasn't quite 30 seconds. What, what I want to talk to you about here is more about this mounting up with wings like eagles. And, and, and man, there's so much about wings and eagles that, that we could talk about. But, but here's what I want to talk about. When you have a group of birds that are all together and a storm comes in, here, here's what happens. The birds, they fly away from the storm. They either fly away or they, they fly away and they hide. But the eagles, they do something very different. The eagle actually flies into the storm. The eagle finds that dark cloud and it flies towards the storm. See, the reason that the other birds can't fly into the storm is because for them to fly, they got to flap their wings. And so the wind and the pressure of the storm makes it exhausting for them to flap their wings and they will grow tired and grow weary and they will faint. They won't be able to handle the storm. So they learn that, so they run away from the storm. How many of us Christians have faced storms in our lives and we've tried to flap our own wings and figure it out on our own and get a second job and do this and do that and, and we get tired and we faint and so now we know when a storm comes, I need to go hide. But an eagle doesn't do that. See, an eagle is able to spread its wings, lock its wings and the pressure of the storm, the wind of the storm, the very thing that makes the other birds too tired to fight the storm is the pressure that lifts the eagle up above the storm and the eagle attacks the storm. God lifts the eagle up above the storm and the eagle knows even in flying into the midst of a dark cloud that above that cloud is more peace, is more serenity, is more security than they will ever face below those clouds. So what they have to do is they have to lock their wings and they're able to do this. They lock their wings. They're not flapping their wings. They lock them. And God has given their wings the strength to be able to handle that pressure and it lifts them up to the highest place that they'll ever go in their lives. Higher than they're able to fly apart from a storm. There's so much in this, right? God brings the storms to destroy us. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? He wants us to be those other birds that fly away or fly and hide. But God is saying, if we will kavod to him, if we will be intertwined in every fiber of our being and we will faithfully, expectantly, patiently wait on him, he will allow us to mount up with wings and we'll be able to stretch out our wings and lock them in position. And the very pressures of the storm that came to kill us will rise us up higher above the storm to peace, to security, to beauty, to a perspective that we could never get to otherwise. But we can't run from the storm. We can't hide from the storm. We can't try to work the storm on our own. We have to lock those wings and those feathers and allow God to raise us up. And he promises to do it. He promises to do it. There is one time though, where an eagle does not attack the storm and rise above the storm. The only time that the eagle doesn't do that <clears throat> is whenever the eagle is nesting eggs or these eaglets. And from all the online Google searches I could find, these nests are in high positions, 
oftentimes on a stone or a rock. If you know your Bible, things are already starting to click in your mind. And so if you imagine being in a high position when the storm comes, that's the worst place to be. That's the place you don't want to be. And the eagle has a choice. Is the eagle going to attack the storm and rise above the storm and, and get to this place that's amazing for them and leave their eggs and their egglets behind to fend for themselves? Or are they going to stay in the storm with those that they're responsible for? And here's what the eagle does. The eagle doesn't soar above the storm in those moments. The eagle hunkers down and spreads its wings in another way to cover those that it's responsible for, those that it loves, so that not just those that they love can get through the storm, but that eagle can be that covering and that shelter for them. Listen, listen, listen. You will see storms in other people's lives, maybe spouses, maybe kids, maybe grandkids, maybe parents, maybe coworkers, friends, people you're discipling, people that are discipling you, and you will have a choice to leave them to fight for themselves and go soar above the, the clouds and the storm so that you can be prosperous and you can be great and you can have peace and all that. Or you can decide to, to hunker down, spread your wings, love them, help them through their storm. And I can promise you this when I look back over my life, the most fulfilling, most blessed, times that I've had in my life are the times not when I soared above a storm. Those are great. Those are amazing. You need to do that so that you can have the strength and the empowerment to be able to do what's been so much more fulfilling, which is to sit down and spread my wings over people that are going through storms, to pray for them, to encourage them, to be with them, to let them know that you are there. You don't have all the answers. You might not have all the money. You might not have all the, the power that they need, but you're there to just cover them, to be with them in that storm, to help them wherever they need help. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.